I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you? This is Codependent Content, a podcast where my partner and I discuss the TV shows, movies, and video games in which we've formed an unhealthy relationship. My name is Matthias, and my co-host is Shannon Riley. Join us each week as we try to make sense of the media we continually give our hearts against our better judgment, and commiserate with us as we struggle and fail to let go of the characters, stories, and worlds that we are entangled with. Because just when we think we're done with content, it draws us back in. Shannon, I have a question. Yeah? Is this a union project? This is a non... We are... No, we are not crossing the picket line. So you're not paying me for my time here? I'm not getting residuals? No. You're not? No residuals on this one. Sorry. I'm I'm out. I get it. Sorry. Gotta go. Okay. Striking. And that's it. (laughs) Shannon is a slave driver. God damn it. And uh, uh, unempathetic billionaire. I heard her say earlier that mm-hmm. uh, we're, I'm being unrealistic with my expectations. Uh, and she just drove off on her yacht. Yeah. While she said it. Yeah. So, and yet here I am. Yep. He's always, he's always back. Putting in the work. Okay, great. So that's a, <laughs> a reference to the fact of one of the things that maybe we'll... We'll chat about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is Codependent Content. My name is Matias Mersigan. Hey, Shannon, what's your name? Hey, my name is Shannon. <gasps> okay. Um, <laughs> so this is Codependent Content, where we talk about content, obviously, and we're codependent with the content, not with each other. Oh. Um, that's the thing. Well, <laughs> speak for yourself. This is where we work through our uh, couples therapy with you guys. Just kidding. Dead it's not, ass. Not, not kidding. <laughs> We're here to talk about our content and what we love about it, what we hate about it, and all the feelings that we share with things. We are talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds currently. Fun show. If you haven't seen a Star Trek before, I'd say this is a good one to start with. Uh, But yeah, this is a spoiler-filled podcast. We do talk about the episodes uh, all the way through, and we don't hold back spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode, uh, I suggest you check out come back later there are time codes and there are chapter markers we are going to talk about what else we've been watching non-spoilerific and things like that but there will be when we get into the main crux of the episode we're going to do spoilers right Mm -hmm, everywhere uh and yeah so that's it we're a little late today shannon we also record this live on discord we do um and we're late because our our schedules keep changing and it's just that kind of month the summer summer is in full swing sure is apparently um, so yeah, Shannon, let's start with, uh, before we get to what else we've been watching yes. beyond just Star Trek, uh, let's talk about the fact because we had brought up the writer strike before, I figured we might as well talk about um, the actor's strike, Please. which is happening at the exact same time as the writer's strike. And mm-hmm. um, turns out, Shannon, uh, the actors have not struck <laughs> since the 1980s. And uh, this is the first time since the 1960s that two unions have been striking at the exact same time. Oh. And apparently, as uh, people love to mention, and as I know as your uh, all-around favorite person, uh, Ronald Reagan was the, <laughs> was, the, was the SAG president the last time both 
uh, unions were striking. Um, so if that's, I mean, he cared about the workers. You know, it's crazy to me. You know? I forget that Ronald Reagan was like an actor. When I think of him, I just think of all the terrible shitty things he did politically. Not sorry if there's any Reagan stands out there. Um, but yeah, I forget that he comes from that like entertainment background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, oh, why was he the, why was he in charge of this? It's like, oh, because he was such a huge part of it before he, you know, did what he did in American politics. Yep, for sure. Um, well, so the actors are striking. Mm-hmm. It is official. It happened as of midnight yesterday. Actually, Thursday. was When did, when did I leave work? How, how many days has it been? Actually, did they, did they announce it yesterday? Is that when I posted? They announced it yesterday. Okay, great. So midnight tonight is when that when it was like officially we are striking. Okay. You know, technically everyone kind of was already striking as soon as they announced that they were going to. Right. So it's basically that was it. But like, like July 14th is the first official day of striking. Yes. Okay. Um and they uh what does this mean, right? So the actors same thing with the writers, they want compensation, they want residuals, they want things to like especially with the streamers uh, I've seen a lot of anecdotes about people who were working uh, small time gigs on network television. Mm-hmm. You know, your Law and Order SVUs, your Bones, your whatever it may be in terms of maybe General Hospital. I don't know if that's so on, but whatever. You know, like people doing uh, actually that's a soap opera. Right. Yeah. A soap opera has, actually has different rules, apparently. So I don't. Right. That's <laughs> wrong. I don't even. Might be. Anyway, uh, point is network television as I used to know it. When we used to talk about syndication and television mm-hmm. and like, you know, we had to tune in, you know, your loss and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. As they rerun those, as they license those other things, you get residuals, right? Right. And those checks can be pretty good, especially for some, a big shows like, say, Friends or something, if you mm-hmm. happen to be on it, you know. So the more those shows get played uh, on networks, the more money you get. The same big shows in terms of popularity, things like that on streaming networks get you pennies compared to... Mm. Like those other like network shows, you mm-hmm. know, um, some people aren't even like some people could almost live off of residuals yeah. depending on the show you were doing yeah. back with network television. Now you're not doing it. So again, this is very similar to what the writers are dealing with. The fact that like streamers are paying a lot of things like up front, but not giving residuals on things. And you could say like, yeah, residuals, like who cares? Like actors get paid enough or whatever. Right. We're talking about like the 70, 75% of working actors, the people who are like your one day on a show kind of thing, your mm-hmm. co-stars, your, you know, the people who are trying to um, grind, who still have to have like a bartending job, you know, yeah. who still have to like do a server job, like who still have to pay like $500 a month for like an acting class or whatever, you yeah. know, or get head chest and, and, and keep up certain things. Like those residuals help them just to pay their bills, you yeah. know, and to keep them doing those things, you know, cause not everyone is as you know, like big name actors that can just right. get like a huge paycheck and be like good Fine. for like the rest of their lives residuals or no. Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the writers, you know, like it's just people trying to pay bills, <laughs> you know, literally yeah. like, the the jobs don't come often enough and the paychecks are not big enough to to keep you afloat, especially when you do like only so many jobs a year. Yeah. And residuals really help that. Right. Um, and I guess, you know, there could be an argument against like, well, you're doing an art thing, you know, or starving artist kind of thing. But 
this is what we're fighting against, right? Yeah. Then there's the AI stuff, you know, which we have found out that uh, people, <laughs> what the AMTPA, can't remember what that stands for, but the studios have been saying, like, we offer the actors a groundbreaking legislation or whatever you want to call it uh, in our negotiations regarding AI. And that apparently groundbreaking AI policy was like to only allow background actors uh, to come in for a day, do their job, sign a waiver, scan their faces, and then they could use their likeness in perpetuity mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. No, and newsflash, no one wants that, especially right. when you're talking about like these bigger movies like Marvel, which is one of the ones that was doing it, mm-hmm. where they're just going to use CGI to fill in crowds and stuff. And now they have your likeness. And so they don't have to hire background anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you got paid a hundred dollars and now they're no longer going to mm. like hire you, yeah. you know, because you came in for your day right. or whatever. It could be 150, maybe if it's a union one, 350, right? And that was the groundbreaking thing that the studios offered. And it turns out they're already doing this. People have already been signing these waivers. It's already been happening. And actors were saying no. Right. So, of course, that was one of the things where you're like, you're telling us you're offering us these good things and that was just one of them Mm -hmm. and that's why we're striking is because no we don't want that Mm -hmm. um and so yeah there's a a lot of things going on there and and you know now it's it's gonna be major we talked about how the writer strike is going maybe not gonna be felt for a little bit you know because a lot of the things that are being shot right now were already written a lot of things that are going to be coming out were already in the can and stuff like that that might still be the case with actors, but we saw actors walking out of uh, their obligations on like Oppenheimer, the mm-hmm. premiere, stuff like that. When actors strike, absolutely everything stops. All your shows uh, uh, are not going to be able to shoot. So we, mm-hmm. while there might be some things in the can and maybe they have a little bit to go on the networks and stuff like that. Uh, for the most part, you're going to see a lot of things shutting down. Mm-hmm. And not only that, uh, let's use the Barbie movie, for example, which is going to be huge, right? People are, uh, that's a lot of big actors in it. Uh, a lot of faces that people want to see. And, uh, you know, this is a movie that has been relying on so much of the marketing mm-hmm. for it to do well and to get people in the seats. And uh, a lot of people are excited for that movie. When actors are striking, they, their job is marketing as well. They can't do it. Right. They can't do a red carpet. They can't do press. They can't do interviews. Uh, They can't do uh, just like anything Anything. involved. They can't even go to the premieres, like, you know, in in Mm -hmm. terms of like watching the movie, the Emmys are this month, right? They can't do that, you know? (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, As far as I know, they can't because it's like promotion, Right. It's it's uh, as far as I know that that oh, wow. they can't. That is the Emmys are also a union production kind of, you know. So, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so we can't even oh, have like boy. the award ceremony. So. Uh, wow. Every, you're going to see a whole lot of things change like all your. I believe 
Oh man, what else comes to this up? We were talking about like we talk about dropout. Mm-hmm. Uh, dropout's a union show. They pay all their actors and stuff like they follow SAG rules and union rules. Mm-hmm. And now, even though it is all improv, right, the actors can't do that, right. And so, Dropout, one of our favorite networks, and though they have a lot of things in the can, and there's certain things that they might be able to do because they might mm-hmm. have exemptions because of being like a small, like independent, mm-hmm. you know, improv troupe kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, not necessarily like a big network kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what we do know is that they might have to also stop filming things that they were filming, you yeah. know? Um, so even the smaller things that we enjoy are going to be shutting down right. and they might not be able to come back. Uh, certain shows like House of the Dragon might still be going because it's filmed all in the UK, mm-hmm. even though we know the writers, the showrunners can't even be on set. Right. So that's already a thing, but the, uh, actors are under different unions over there. So mm-hmm. that's whatever that is and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, how's this affect us? Well, we're watching content. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about it. And there's only so many things we can talk about right. uh, if things stop coming in. So who knows how this affects the podcast. We're going to keep talking about things. Uh, we just don't know what exactly that's going to be. And we also don't know how this is going to affect the content that we wanted to talk about, you know, right. in terms of maybe the things that are already announced and coming out. That's okay. But the things that uh, aren't coming out or whatever, like that are going to get pushed back, you know, like we said, is Yellow Jacket still going to be like going on? You know, like right. is, uh, um, what else? Rings of Power? That might also still be like a UK thing. I'm not exactly sure. Mm. You know, like, yeah. Um, I can't remember what else if you can. I just, I'm thinking about The Last of Us. I'm excited for them to do work, obviously, but they won't be doing anything. I was also reading, it's like if you're non union right now, and you're ever hoping to join the union, like do not fucking try any sort of nonsense during this strike because if they see that you like have those credits, you're you'll you'll be barred from joining the union. Yes, correct. Uh, we uh, in the industry they call those scabs. So same thing with writers. Any anyone that's striking or a union that's doing that, if you uh, cross the picket line mm-hmm. and you choose to take work. Uh, which is unfortunately a hard gamble to make because this is a lot of times where studios will reach out to people and people who need money and they will pay them lots of money, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's a hard decision to make. But if you do cross that line, they will have your name. They'll know that you're there and they right. will, might refuse um, you being able to join the union for any of these right. unions that are doing things, you know. Um, the interesting thing that I've been noticing is a lot of people – kind of making fun of uh, the Directors Guild because the Directors Guild had a chance to also strike, Mm -hmm. you know, but they decided to accept their terms, Mm. you know, in their negotiations, you Mm -hmm. know, and they they thought for sure the actors, are they're not going to let the actors strike, you know. Well, now that the actors have struck and the writers are striking, now all those uh, jobs the directors thought they were going to be doing Gone. <laughs> and so <laughs> should have held, should, held out for a better deal, apparently. And we don't know, again, what no. deal that they have and whether it is satisfactory for them and why the directors, like, didn't care or mm-hmm. whatever. But, uh, you know, it's quite possible that they agreed to things that thinking that, you know, they're not going to, the studios are, the, eventually the actors are going to 
yeah. figure something out, right. and then uh, settled for something that they didn't need to. You know, we could have almost had three yeah. unions strong. And what's strange is that the studios right now, those in department heads and stuff like that, they're apparently they don't care. They're going to strong no. arm people. Yep. They're going to let. They're going to say we're going to allow this to happen until. Uh, people lose their apartments and stuff like that. So that's just so, I mean, we all know it's shitty, so I don't need to reiterate that, but it also just shows you that they are aware. They know that they make an extreme amount of money. They know that they are in the upper hand and that they can wait it out. And that even, yes, I understand that, you know, 75% of working actors aren't making like what Tom Cruise makes in a movie, but ultimately that those studio heads and execs are making more than enough money to just comfortably wait and not work and not do their job. Meanwhile, creative people are not only financially suffering, but like emotionally and creatively suffering too, because if we can't work, then there's no like outlet for product. And I'm wondering if we're going to see maybe like, I don't know what the right term is, like short films or like indie films or independent, like actors getting together and creating something. Are they, can they do something like that? Not under union? Things things have happened in the past. I believe the last, um, uh, writer strike is when, uh, uh, like say Joss Whedon made Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, oh, okay. you know, and um, again, the actors weren't striking then. It was just like the writers, you know, so like you can, there's a lot of rules. I mean, there's a lot of people who are smarter than this. And like, if you listen to like, say script notes, uh, they talk about the writers all the time, what you can and can't do. You mm-hmm. know, there are rules that the Screen Actor Guilds has laid out. Like you can go find them on the Screen Actor Guilds website mm-hmm. and you can figure out what you are allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. Um and at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you can technically go do a like non-union micro budget, I th- believe, thing mm-hmm. um, in regards to like what you've always been maybe allowed or not allowed to do as if you're a part of the union, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so in that sense, there's uh, a lot of people who will will not do that because, you know, being part of the union, you're not always allowed to do non- non-union stuff mm-hmm. as it is. So it really is up to like the person and and the and and how they want to do things. Mm. And then you're also not going to see those things getting submitted to anything anytime soon. Right. Because uh, you can't um, put those into festivals or anything or do screenings or whatever because they can't do that. You know, it can't mm-hmm. go anywhere. You can't mm-hmm. sell a script, right? You're like, you can write all you want, you right. know, if you're on the writer's guild, but you can't sell a script to anyone right. because that would be basically crossing the line. You can't write for a show or for mm-hmm. a, a movie, you know, mm-hmm. as part of a union or even as a wanting to be part of the union, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a, I don't know how it, how it works with actors and like, typically you will see people do like their own thing, which is always possible, but uh, it's, it's still hard to make those things happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know exactly, you know, what the, how, the, how those things work, you know? Right. Uh, you know, you would assume, again, like we said, things like Dropout would see like a big push. You know, I work for a uh, production company who does YouTube videos, you know, mm-hmm. it's all non-union. So like we're working just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to stop. That's not going to change, mm-hmm. you know. Um, some of the client work might change, 
but that would be non-union anyway, you know, mm-hmm. but we do stuff for Netflix or whatever for their YouTube channel. So that's a different thing, right? But like Dropout, if they're not able to make new content where they're relying on what's in their library right now, you mm-hmm. know, um, but you would hope that those things could continue happening. You know, can you still, are people still doing theater improv shows? I don't know. You're going to have to ask SAG, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I have some questions. Um, I haven't looked too much into it. I'm trying to answer the best I can. Yeah. But, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, there's that. Okay. So we'll keep people abreast of the situation. We will try our best to um, keep on top of it because, uh, you know, for those who aren't always like aware of like what's happening, um, you may be surprised. Like, what are we like watching? What are we talking about? What's mm-hmm. going on? And, and, and what's happening with the shows that you love to watch we love to watch and stuff like that and so as things as we learn how things are affected we Mm -hmm. also want to uh pass that along so that everyone else is also aware they can plan accordingly and they can hopefully uh keep an eye out for those things and and uh also commiserate with us (laughs) if things get canceled things like that absolutely um so yeah speaking of content we do love to watch let's talk about um Sorry, guys. Also, I feel like this is going to be a longish episode because there's two things I feel like we should talk about. I'm going to like limit it to the two to the two things. Right. And also, um, we still have a whole episode of Star Trek to talk about. Mm-hmm. But we did. We have talk, watched some things recently that are uh, really good that we uh, I feel like we should talk about. One of them is the Baron. The other one is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh. Right. So let's start with oh. uh, the Bear Season Two. Okay. Um, a non-spoiler review, if if you will, Shannon. Uh, why don't you talk about the bear? My non-spoiler review is I am constantly amazed at how much momentum a thirty-minute episode can gather in in this season. And I would argue the show generally, season one definitely drove as well. But it's like, man, so it's not dense. But it's just like so much happens and you just immediately like that that timer for the episode starts and you're just immediately in for the ride. There's never like a transition period for me of getting back to the characters or getting back into the story, even if we were only watching like one or two episodes per evening. Um, and I really like when shows can do that because it shows me that these characters are like they feel real. And that sounds so goofy, but they feel like real. It feels real feels honest um i liked a lot of the like emotional questions the bear made me think about regarding like family and like relation to others relation to self relation to work uh where like ego comes in how we place value on the the time that we spend whether it's with other people or whether it's for our passions and yeah obviously everyone here knows like i really value media that makes me think about it once I've left it. And I've still been thinking about the bear and some of the emotional little rides that we've taken specifically with the girlfriend. Yeah. And yeah. Just bring up the girlfriend last second there. Is that what the, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm just, I don't want to, do I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> so without like spoiling beats, that's yeah, that's what I, what a confusing sentence. Yeah. The thing about the bear uh, is that it's just this, it's a phenomenon. I think a lot of people kind of didn't know or were unaware of like what the bear season one was going mm-hmm. to be. 
like that came unexpectedly and then it just kind of hit you hard, delivered some like great fucking episodes of television and season two just continued that trend. And I think delivered, I mean, we saw that the bear season one has a whole bunch of Emmy nominations, I believe. And we're going to see, I believe the same thing happen with the bear Mm -hmm. season two. Um, Right up front, I think one of the biggest problems with the bear is the fact that for some reason FX drops them all at once. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are complaining about the fact that like we have been enjoying shows that we can watch week to week and we could talk about and we can sit with an episode for a while. And mm-hmm. this definitely is a good show to be able to do that. You know, as much as I like binging it, there's specific episodes that just like after you watch it, you don't want want to move on to the next one. You right. know, so much happens in, in it. And it's uh, amazing. And you get these great performances and these um, uh, bursts of uh, beauty and like energy and just um, amazing heartfelt uh, and profound moments that happen within these uh, episodes, you know, cause we're dealing with uh, topics of uh, not just like a service industry or whatever, but we're talking about like mental health, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and every character has their own things that they're trying to get through or get over, you know, mm-hmm. and um, change. Right. And I, I find it so, um, uh, profound that the show uh confronts um our ability to change like so well that's the thing that i came out wanting to talk about at the very end of the last episode of just seeing um how uh people change but it's never this leveling up kind of thing you know you don't just change and then you're fixed for eternity you know like you're gonna change and then you're gonna encounter something that's gonna like set you back and it's a constant Mm -hmm. evolving of yourself it's a constant having to like revisit and re uh negotiate with yourself of like what you need to do and how you need to change and the the tightrope that the show walk uh, walks by having these tense filled things i don't know if it's just the nature of kitchen and chef shows where you know I always feel like something's already going to go wrong in the kitchen mm-hmm. because it's like so hectic and, and whatever. And you're like, uh, um, and what's, what, when's the shoe going to drop, which is a major theme for one of the characters. He's always mm-hmm. going around and he says specifically like, when is the other shoe going to drop? He always knows that there's another shoe. And, um, that's such a, uh, how they kind of like represent that in my own <laughs> like feeling of the of watching the show where I'm already like tensed up and uh, feeling like something's going to happen mm-hmm. and like expecting people to screw up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a surprise when things go right, you know? Right. Or like a person actually doesn't do the same thing you expected them to do, the thing that the that has driven them in terms of like trauma and the decision-making that they've made has been just like such a bad, uh, um, you need to stop doing that. You know, like that's, that's a, um, a bad trait of theirs, you know, but when they decide to choose to not do that, you know, and they choose to react in 
and with kindness or with uh, empathy or whatever it may be um, and logic and trying to calm themselves and slow down and be like, you can do this and, and show support for another person and things like that. All those things that just like you don't expect sometimes uh, from these types of characters or the characters that they set up, you know, are like so amazing, you know, we're seeing them change and then not change. We're seeing them uh, make progress and then uh, still be held back by something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that um, tightrope that they're walking. And I, I love how they place it in this show where you want everyone to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, I am like rooting for every single character. Yeah. Um, and it's just an amazing show. I'm glad we have it. And I hope it continues to <laughs> be, yeah. you know, to provide and that, you know, they can uh, give us more in later seasons. Because I think it's one of the better shows that's that's come around. Good job, FX. Also, I have to say, uh, there's... One I one thing I noticed is there's a lot of of this show that I'm going to say it, not a lot of it takes place at night, but there's a lot of shows or a lot of episodes that like I noticed um, scenes will take place at night and I could still see everything that was happening on screen. So I have to say I am so tired of shows. I keep having to figure out what's going on with like Apple TV is a stupid Marvel. one of those things or like Marvel, like. Disney, I don't know if it's like the app specifically and how they work with our projector. And then there's like other shows that just are shot dark, you know? Yes. And so it's it could be the app, it could be the show, and I can barely see what's happening, you know, uh, even in the best conditions right. that we have. And right. this show, under the same conditions, shot some night scenes and I could still see what was and happening. I saw everything. And it was not a problem, and I'm glad I didn't have to try and adjust or whatever. So it's just something I noticed, and I wish more people would do that. So whatever they did here, I know it's Good a job. weird thing to, to bring up, uh, but I hope someone hears it and that they also appreciate it and hopefully change their ways. I want to see what's happening. Please. Show it to me. Um, so, yeah. Anything else along the, that you thought of while I was talking about that stuff? No. Said very eloquently. Great. I talked too much. Um, we are also... Shannon, we watched uh, Tom Cruise do some running uh, yesterday. Bro, Dead Reckoning was Wednesday. so good. Sorry, Wednesday. Yeah. That movie slapped. Oh, you liked it? I liked that movie a Tell whole, us. whole lot. Y'all, I really liked that movie. I, you know, unfortunately suffered a mild anxiety attack in the middle of the movie, and that has nothing to do, I don't think, with the movie. Uh, just a little bit of a bummer that I went away and then came back for a second. But I, we talked about fast and furious obviously we're fast and furious fans but one of our qualms with fast 10 was how much of a place setter part one fucking randomly just like stop in the middle of an action sequence that movie was and i think tom cruise did a great job at sure i guess you know on paper this is dead reckoning part one or whatever but it was a full it was a full idea there was a beginning middle and an end like you got to finish that mission, that part of the mission, I guess I should say. And I think that's where it succeeded for me more than something like Fast 10 did. Um, also, just stunts are so fun and so, so 
creative and I'm, I'm bored of like watching action. I've been watching a lot more action movies recently, specifically because I'm trying to like grow my stunt vocabulary. And now that I'm watching more, I'm noticing that a lot of fight sequences are shot the same way. Um, with like the same sorts of camera movements or the same angles. So I can almost predict now how things are going to be shot. If I'm watching like something like ghosted on Apple TV, really sorry. Didn't like that. Um, but with mission impossible, you get all of these creative scenarios. I'm sure everyone would agree the alleyway fight. What a, what a specific interesting space to have a two on one fight in this like tiny little footage of space. I just, yeah, floored so fun also female characters love female characters love that we got a variety of like hashtag strong women they're all capable in different ways and to different levels and in different aspects uh like Haley's character is so different from rebecca ferguson's character but i would argue that they're both like a strong independent sort of person and I like that because I've also complained to Matthias plenty of like, I'm really tired now of seeing the same like type of strong woman. I'm glad that we swung away from the helpless person that needs a guy to save her. But now I'm also tired of seeing like she's the hot baddie with a specific haircut and she can come in and it's almost like a joke that the man is there. Like that energy is getting tired to me too. So, yeah, we got four different female characters that all brought something a little bit differently spiced to the table. And they're all hot. Respectfully. But it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, so... Mm, it didn't? Nope. Oh, fuck. Uh, did you... Uh, I how? Okay, so, jumping off of that, how much did I love this movie to not be concerned by the Bechdel test because bitches, I think about the Bechdel test constantly. I'm always on people. I'm like, it's 2023. How are we still writing fucking movies that do not pass the Bechdel test? This one apparently doesn't. And I didn't give a shit the entire time. It was a very good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Mission Impossible. Very good. There is just a um, confidence that Christopher McQuarrie has with the, uh, direction and the filmmaking of this uh, franchise, you know, that he's brought ever since doing Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. And there's something about him like teaming up with Tom Cruise where they just, they do what they do so well. Mm. You know, you go in, you know what you're expecting and you uh, don't, you come out of it like having like enjoyed yourself like at the theater. That said, I feel like part one is weird for me because I don't put it like in the top tier Mission Impossible. I, in terms of ranking, I don't know if I would rank this like super high or whatever. Uh, uh, and I mean, I, I'd still rank it like it's a, it's a good, like half top half of, of Mission Impossible films or movies. Uh, but I don't know if it's just being a part one where I didn't feel as, uh, uh, I guess, it didn't come to the heights of like Fallout or Rogue Nation and even Ghost Protocol to a certain extent. You know, there's just something about it. But that said, it being like not one of the best in this franchise is still when the majority of the franchise, say for maybe one movie, is like considered like some of the best action films, spy espionage films that you've ever had. Like that's 
amazing. You know, that's still really, really good, you know, and that's just the, the deafness of confidence and, and filmmaking that they have when they go into this, you know, and like you said, Haley Atwell, great addition to the movie, as well as there's some other characters that are great. I felt like were great additions and I feel like might get bigger plays in like the second part whenever that comes out, you know, and, uh, the action sequences, what they do. I don't think like the main thing that you've been hearing about, like the biggest action scene is like, you know, a huge like draw, though it is like a a really, really cool moment, especially like when they do it and you know, he's doing it for real. It, it's really great. I don't think it, uh, they fit this in organically as, as well as they did in other things. And again, I've heard other people say it and the same thing for me is like, Ghost Protocol just did such a good job of like tying in like the big stunt, which was him climbing on the Burj Khalifa, you know, and making that a big plot point. Whereas this one kind of felt like it's it's kind of throwaway, you know. It's it's they they kind of had to force it almost, you know. Um, that said, that whole last um, sequence altogether, uh, with the whole action set piece and everything, just amazing. I loved it. Um, and I'm, I, if you told me they did all that for real too, which I'm sure they did like a lot of it, like I want to see the making of that, you know? Um, because again, we've only seen something like that in, uh, a video game (laughs) series that me, me and you have played on Uncharted 2, I believe. And, um, there's also, I, uh, someone mentioned like another sequence at the very beginning of the film that seems to be inspired by Uncharted 3, you know? So there's, there's, this is, this is the kind of stuff that, those video games were inspired by was these kinds of films. And then it's kind of coming back to like doing these things in films. I think it was just amazing. I loved it. Um, but bring us part two <laughs> already, you know, uh, it should be mentioned that this is, this was made in the height of, of COVID, you know, I believe this was one of those things, or maybe that was Top Gun. I, you know, both of these were being kind of like shot around, you know, Um, and, uh, it was, uh, I believe that COVID kind of hit in the middle of making this film, you know? So it was a, uh, uh, a major undertaking, uh, and the fact that we got the movie that we did. So amazing. Um, also I love Palm and I want her to be in everything now. (laughs) Uh, if you don't know, she played Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy and she's in this film playing a character named Paris. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so yeah, those are the two major things we've been watching. Uh, uh, we love the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, Shannon, I introduced you to the Mission Impossible franchise and you were like, oh, do I like Tom Cruise now? So <laughs> there's that. Deadass. Uh, so yeah. Um, anything else? that you want to mention before we move on to our review of or our talk about Strange New Worlds. Let's talk about Star Trek. Great. So again, talking about Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, Episode 5, Season 2, Charades. Uh, Shannon, I feel like this is a a pretty, pretty simple episode compared to... um, uh, the You know, just the last episode, right? Which is a big, big... thought experiment on forgetfulness and, mm-hmm. and memory and, and 
um, you know, things like that. And this one is, is kind of, um, you know, it's kind of a sitcom you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a, you know, all the antics these crews get yeah. up to, you know, it's almost like a, um, almost very classically like, um, the what's the classic sitcom trope of like oh i have a date with two people at once kind of thing but not not in this not that's not what's going on here Mm -hmm. but yeah um you know so it's not it's not tough to kind of like summarize the fact that basically spock uh and um nurse chapel they go on a mission they run into like a gravitational time continuum thing you know and they crash and they get fixed by some higher beings of a certain amount of intelligence. And in the fixing, they misread the instructions of Spock and they make him full human and not half human, half Vulcan, because they thought that that was weird that he was <laughs> mixed. More on that later. And well, lo and behold, he has to meet the in laws. And he has to go through a ceremony, a traditionally Vulcan ceremony while trying to be human and dealing with these emotions that he's dealing with uh, because he's no longer able to suppress them as a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, antics ensue. A little bit of antics. Right? Hijinks. Right. Whatever. Um, and, you know, that does get solved by the end of it. Uh, and we'll get to that. So that's the basic summary. I don't know. <laughs> so that's what happens. Why don't we uh, talk about it. what did you think about this episode, Shannon? Yeah, uh, episode was great. I keep saying, you know, feels like original Star Trek, which I really like. I'm also excited to visit the lore loft briefly today because there are some things that happen in this episode that make me think of like specific episodes in the original series. But also, what a treat! Uh, to watch Ethan Peck just like take the reins for an episode and 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 be his version of like what human Spock is, I really I really enjoy. It is truly a pleasure watching him take this character on because I think he has a really grounded understanding of where Spock is coming from, um, but is not too self serious about it. So, yeah, blast and half. What do you think? Um, I thought it was um, a little bit of a downer because I, I enjoy the thought experiments. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, um, I guess I, I read some articles that kind of showed me how this is also a big part of Star Trek because sometimes it's just like these workplace kind of shenanigans, you know, it's a mm-hmm. workplace drama or whatever in terms of, you know, dealing with crew and people like that and everyone kind of uh, learning and um I guess, growing in their own way, you know? And so it's, uh, it's, I, I really, really like this episode. Again, it's one of those episodes where I'm like, why are we not getting like 22 episodes, you know? Like why, like make this, you can make it 30 minutes too, if you wanted to, you know, and just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take commercials, (laughs) you know? Uh, I love a good commercial break in these kinds of shows and especially so we could have these episodes, you know? Um, so it's, it's like, it doesn't necessarily move much of a plot forward. And so it's a, but you know, I guess I don't know what the plot is in, in terms of Star Trek anyway. So like, who cares? You know, I like being with the crew and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, some things I, I kind of, again, have my little issues with it, but it is fun. Like you said, Ethan Peck is amazing. I'm glad he got to 
branch out into some comedic chops. Apparently, uh, in an interview I read, like it's great because most of his friends know him as like some sort of goofball. And so it was a chance for him to just not be like the kind of, it was almost freeing for him to not be uh, this logical suppressing emotions kind of character, you know, Mm -hmm. even though Spock can be funny in his own way, even Mm -hmm. when he's, you know, being full Vulcan Vulcan. Um, And I think Ethan Peck shines through uh, for sure normally. And this is just a great chance for him to like even do more. It was it was weird at first because there was not it wasn't just he ju- was just playing a normal human he was playing a different type like he was still Spock underneath you know so that that again tightrope as it were uh, um, I can't have been easy and I wasn't I was I was weirded out by it at first I was like what are you are you I don't know what you're doing here but um, eventually it grew on me you know and I thought he did a great job and I'm glad we got to learn more about Vulcans and stuff and see different types of Vulcans, you know? Yeah. Um, at least I've never gotten to see. And this is, I believe the first time we're seeing his mother in this series, though apparently she has played, uh, Spock's mother in discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and not the first time we've seen obviously Spock's mother, but, right. um, which is the human part of his human half Vulcan, half human thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So fun, fun episode. Uh, and so why don't we like dive in a little bit, you know? So, yeah. um, oh, and I thought it was interesting that like, oh, Anson Mount's here too. Pike's here too. <laughs> and it's funny how like he's he's been gone. Uh, as we said, multiple, multiple times he had paternity leave. Um, and it's clear that like in this episode, he's back, he's no longer on leave or, or whatever, but he, uh, is also like kind of sidelined. It's almost like he didn't need to be there, which I think is kind of hilarious. It's almost like, no, we have you now you're stuck with us. And now you have to be in all these scenes <laughs> because he, <laughs> because like, they wanted right. him there. He's like making up for like lost time, despite the fact that he <laughs> barely needed to be there. It's, if this is any episode where he probably could have stepped out, it could have been one of these, but right. Um, I, I find it hilarious that he is just there, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, did we even need you? (laughs) I, for me, uh, a big anchor of this episode is the lack of trust between Spock and Pring and the fact that you would drag your captain into this like shenanigan this this very serious very deep ritual because you trust him to try to protect you and have your back while you navigate this uncharted territory but he didn't trust his partner to be in on that with him i think like yeah you can kind of play it for jokes but ultimately if we look at it for like as an honest choice or honest truth it's because like spock and i almost said kirk lol uh spock and pike are so connected that like of course of course he's going to be there. No, of course you didn't need to be here, but of course Pike is going to find a way to, uh, as authentically as possible, integrate him into the situation so he can try to be there to protect Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I do want to talk about like the relationship that um, he and what, well, let's just go, let's just go into it. In terms of like that, the, the relationship between him and, and Pike, I find that like so interesting and I love how they separate that. You know, it doesn't feel like a Kirk and Spock relationship. Right. It feels like, you know, they are in the relationship they have. Like it is um, close because they 
uh, work so closely together, um, but they do feel like co-workers in that sense. It's like they do learn from each other um, and they do like share some downtime together. You know, in this uh, episode, uh, Pike knows what's going to be happening with uh, Spock uh, a lot of times he knows what's coming up in terms of the ceremony and things like that. And he's also teaching him how to cook while they like chat and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, just really cool. He's almost, he's like this mentor um, as well as just, just kind of boss and friend, uh, friend, but not like friend, friend, you know, it's not like, I feel like the friendship that Kirk and Spock have, you know, that everyone is just waiting for and always wants to see more and more of that. You know, I feel like this feels very like cordial and, and Pike cares about Spock just as he cares about everyone in his crew, you know, not necessarily that much more special, you know, where they're like, we're best friends kind of like situation. Not that he wouldn't do anything for them, but like, that's, a, it's just feels, it just feels different to me. And yeah. I love how they kind of show that. And we get to see a little bit of what their relationship is like. And that it's not them trying to redo the same thing. Yeah. You know, then the creators are not trying to do this and they know that like this should be different. And so I'm glad that they, they, they maintain it as a different kind of relationship. Cause Spock shouldn't have like another best friend. Cause then it doesn't make like Kirk, you know, that special. Yeah. Right. If he's like always going to give into his like human emotion side um, and, and, and be vulnerable with people um, with, if he was already doing that, then you wouldn't have <laughs> the Kirk and Spock relationship in the first place. That's an interesting point to bring yeah. up because I like that every captain has their own captain vibe. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe like a core concept of a Starfleet captain is that they would without question go to bat for any member of the crew, upper or lower deck, like balls out ready to go. But I would say, like, if we look at Kirk in the original series, I do think Kirk would sacrifice anything for his crew, but I also think he has favorites. And Spock is one of those favorites. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? With Pike, he has that wholesome energy of, you're right, if we swapped Spock's storyline out for, like, a Chapel-centric episode or an Mbanga episode, like, he would still be playing that same energy and that same role, just connecting with a different crew member. And I think that really speaks to his power. Again, as a captain, we were talking about it, what, last week or the week prior, that he's able to... He just has like multiple outlets. So he's able to take in all of this energy from from dramatically different people and still like connect and and refocus and and shine back. So I love I love watching Pike in all circumstances because I do believe that he believes in like what is best for crew. And that's his responsibility. And he's happy to wear that jacket. Yeah, for sure. Pike's so dope. <laughs> so um Let's talk about, so, you know, we'll just, I just want to do broad strokes because it just feels like the details here, like, well, don't here, really matter. Well, we start, um, we start the episode um, with, with Spock's little comment to Mabenga that's like, hey, thank you for helping me recontrol those emotions. So we kind of reset from the fact that Spock has been just like off the rails, kind of not in control of things. And now he's able to sit on his annoyances and just clear the dishes away without saying anything. And he sits in this group and he watches people laugh 
you know, without responding to it, even though part of him is like, I like, why am I constantly missing the joke? So the fact that we see him with this much tighter lid on, I think even in Ethan Peck's performance, it's like the way he carries himself is a little bit of a different like rigidity in his body, but also in his like eyes uh, that show you that he's back on track of like how we meet Spock in the original series. And I think that setup is really funny because as we find out, he and Nurse Chapel are, are going to be sent on this mission to figure out what's going on on the moon. And boom, human side. So we get to see him just like play wildly when he just got a cat back on his shit. And now it's like, it's all coming out again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, broad strokes. We find out that Nurse Chapel's been interviewing for a position um, at the Vulcan Science Academy, which is the same place that... Uh, Spock decided not to study yet so he could join Starfleet, which we can talk about later. Oh, cool. Uh, fun fact, in the lore loft, I have more to say about it. But uh, So we find out that that's happening and the whole crew is also rallied around her. She's asking different people for advice and for their opinions. So we're just kind of building... Uh, Except for the one Vulcan that is Oh, she can't talk to crew. him, Matthias? Oh my God, spending time together is so uncomfortable, except then they have to go on an away mission together and they get to spend time in a tiny little spaceship together where they can avoid talking about their feelings. Um, but yeah, so she's in, she's in those rounds of interviews for her archaeological fellowship through the Vulcan Science Academy and yeah, uh, we, we get the bomb right before they go on their away mission that to Prill and her mother to Pring and her father. I think it's to Pring and then her mother is to Prill. And then her father. I don't know. Whose name I don't me. remember, but I think I have written down somewhere uh, that they're going to come for the, for the uh, proposal ceremony. And then they get sent well, on no, away mission. No, we're supposed to go to Vulcan originally for the ceremony, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it's but they're not. They're it's not just the yet fact coming. that it has to happen. Um, right, mm-hmm. right when all of this is bubbling to the surface, and then they get sent on this this little away well, mission. It wouldn't be a show <laughs> if five things didn't happen at once. <laughs> wouldn't it be a great sitcom if you couldn't make it. Uh, uh, crazy, complicated, interesting. Um, Shannon. So yeah, they get they crash land, they get fixed, and he gets turned into a human, and then mm-hmm. the credits roll. Um, and then uh, uh, we find out that it was done by these beings. Yes. What are their names? What What did he call them? I don't remember their name. Great, Shannon. You're the lore loft person, but you're we're not, not in the lore me loft. <laughs> I just don't remember the name. Um. Uh. What did you think of them? Yellow and blue. <sighs> They're cute. I don't have a I don't have a strong opinion about them. I think it's just uh, for me they were means to an end. They were means to show us human Spock. Big plot devices, huh? Unfortunately, they were means to show us the power of the volume, and they were means to make Nurse Chapel admit her feelings because she wasn't going to admit it to anyone on the Enterprise crew. So you might as well admit it to an alien named after a color. Mm-hmm. Um, I the only thing I I loved about this new race or whatever is how like it was well, I, I kind of inspired choice but also like we've seen this before this is very um what's the word hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where they're very mm. like um corporate you know or customer service speaking you know where they say uh, uh a, a complaint hasn't been lodged what are you talking about you know like we we don't 
there's nothing here to fix. So goodbye. You know, like they're very, <laughs> like they're, they're just, it's like talking to someone on, on customer service, you know? Yeah. Uh, when they first like communicate with them, uh, they're like, hello. And he's like, hi, I'm, I'm Captain Pike, Captain of the Enterprise. She's like, okay, you called me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> so, Your whore is like. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, I'm sure there's more in the lore loft, but like what, this existential like dread of like, okay, there's just beings out there that can just fix you, that can just <laughs> <laughs> change it. And like, and also like these, uh, from as far, as far as we know, like Nurse Chapel. And, and, uh, uh, Spock died. They absolutely died, <laughs> you know? And, uh, well, the, not chapel, just Spock. Cause Spock well, redirected protected the, her, but yeah. they, they, she still had to be fixed. She was damaged in some way. Oh. So like, they said, we, we gave you, but we, you were both fixed, you know, and the ship was fixed and they just did it. They're their, like here. Sorry. Their medicine is like so advanced apparently, which is what we call it as medicine. And it's clear, you know, these godlike beings just exist out there and we're just going to have a phone conversation and not even try like, do you know, it's also interesting. We keep talking about how so many people aren't familiar with like Vulcans generally, like their body, their health, their minds, their emotional state. Um, so here's just another alien species that apparently have never come across Vulcans before. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, apparently, I don't know if it's come across any species before because they're like thousands of hundreds of years old. And like, it's not that they didn't know. They just knew. Do they even know what humans are? They just knew that this the thing, the match. instructions were wrong here. Like, yeah, it was two different things. You know, <laughs> that's what they said. Right. <laughs> that it, it just didn't make any sense to them. You know, because they so they see beings as like a singular thing, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't understand mixed race. But no, they don't understand. It's not that they didn't understand Vulcans. They just didn't understand like how a person could be two things, you know. Mm. And so they already had one. It was like, well, you're a human and you're also half human. So it must be you're supposed to match this one, I think is what it was. Mm. You know, it's like they didn't know what it what it was. They mm-hmm. just knew they had to match. Mm-hmm. So that was the that's the idea for me behind that so did you watch the did you watch jimmy neutron as a kid sure do you remember the episode where jimmy neutron and cindy get their brains dumped into that vat and they have to go back and forth and sort like each thought and each memory into the right body do you remember that episode Mm-mm. oh well it's a it's number it's a great episode because it's one of the only ones i remember but this specifically is making me think of carl when he's like Okay, I dislike know-it-all guys who dislike know-it-all girls who dislike guys with big heads who dislike girls and 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 uh, Sheen is like just fucking delete it, and I feel like I could see the aliens being like I don't know what's going on with this and Yellow being like let's just dump it in the trash it's okay, <laughs> um, Jimmy Neutron plug that's fine. That's all I have to say. I really was hoping that you would see that episode and like agree with me with where I was going with it, but nope, just me talking empty <laughs> I don't space. Have to like agree or disagree. No, right. You can just talk about what you like and that's yep. fine. <laughs> Jimmy Neutron plug. Here we go. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's that on the aliens. I do want to talk a little bit more about that idea though of fixing um, once we get to like the conversation or when the girls go on their little mission. 
uh, their secret mission. Uh, but in the meantime, we have a human Spock and he has to learn how to be human. So he's getting taught all these human things by his mother and all these people. And in the meantime, he's apparently learning about bacon. Shannon, what did you think of all this? All this little montage? Super cute. Um, Vulcans are vegetarians. So I loved watching Spock freak the fuck out over bacon. Um, because Matias specifically was like, has this man never had bacon before? And I was like, I'm a wait, I'm a wait, I'm a wait to let you know that that Vulcans are vegetarian. I think there's an episode in the original series where, uh, he gets like stuck on a planet on an away mission that's during the ice age and he's forced to eat meat just to like survive. Cause I think I was more worried about the fact that like he was just, he kept eating, but he was like starving that much. I was like, you're not, you're half human. You're not like, nah, man, when not, bacon's what is that the difference good, you just, just <laughs> shovel it in. I've been there when something's really good. And like you just, he still like, remembers how eating. to eat. Yeah, no, he remembers. Well, I, he were, he's like an adolescent. He's like a teenage boy. Okay. But the, okay. That's here. Let's get into that because that's the weirdness about the whole thing. Cause at first I was like, why is he acting like a child? You know, I was like, uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, so all these emotions, he's basically going through puberty, yeah, uh, so to speak, but he's not. He's Because he, it's not about the hormones, it's about just the emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hormones normally do to you, which is to heighten the emotions, but it's also the fact that, um, which is weird because like, this is not a new feeling for him. We learn later on that Vulcans do feel very, very strongly. They just learn to suppress it, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not, I believe... Uh, immune to having felt the feelings or having like knowing how strong those feelings are. So he's just, just has no impulse control. Right. Uh, which is normally what hormones, I guess, do to you, mm-hmm. but it's not the hormones thing. It's just the like strong emotions. Right. And he's just not suppressing it, you know? Um, so yeah, very like adolescent, like teenage boy esque, but there's still, but what's weird is like, he's still being taught things where I'm like, you're still, you still have your memories. Like you still have muscle memory. So to me, that also felt weird because it, it felt like he was being taught as if he was a teenager and he was going through the, these things as if he was a teenager. But it doesn't make any sense why like he's still being taught like the tea ceremony, you know, mm-hmm. um, I guess. Or like, I, well, I guess it's more about the pain. I don't know. It just felt felt kind of weird and, and handholdy in a way. I was like, I, I don't. It is it's such a fine line to, to, to walk, I know, and mm-hmm. in terms of performance and in terms of like how uh, they have to write it and figure out like what actually is it you, the human side of you kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I did feel weirdly, I guess, questioning it a lot more in terms of, you know, and that was kind of a thing where just like last week, like, I guess don't even worry about it because if you start thinking about it, like, does it break down, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It's like the fact is it's just happening. So that's what it is, you know, yeah. but. I think it I think it holds up because what you said is true. Like it's not about the fact that he doesn't have his memory. It's about that he's not equipped with the tools that he needs to pretend to be a Vulcan. So the tea ceremony, you're right. It's not that he forgets the tea ceremony. It's that he doesn't have the control. He doesn't have the mental discipline to avoid the heat. So when he goes to grab it and then acts surprised, for me that was less him forgetting it's hot. And more him realizing he's not equipped to handle it anymore. That this is, I've, I've been, I've 
I've been able to do this before and now I can't do it. And that's overwhelming to me because now not only am I dealing with this pain in my heightened emotional state, I don't have the tools to combat the pain or the emotion. And that's where some of the like wildness comes from for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact when the, the four of them are trying to give him like Vulcan speech lessons where they're like, you don't enunciate, you speak with a flat affect and, and they keep like dropping their voice lower and lower to try to like mimic him. And again, that confusion and that goofiness I think comes from just the wild idea of like putting on the mask that is a Vulcan. So I think it's super interesting because so much of Spock's, so much of spending time with Spock is remembering that half of him is human and that everything that he's done as a Vulcan has come from absolute mental discipline. I would argue even more than regular Vulcans have, because if it's like kind of innate into Vulcans and that's how we fall into line and then you have that human underscore, it's almost like you had to do it twice or like you had to do it an extra level. Um is it in the 2009 movie where we see young Spock and the training pod get real mad and beat the shit out of that kid? Sure. So, like, that's just kind of how I imagine it, too. We have seen, even though I know it's a different timeline, it's like you kind of see what he might have had to go through as a child, getting his emotions under control. And if he only kind of matured emotionally up to that point before he started being able to cap it, it's like we're seeing, we are seeing a child. Uh, take on these challenges for the first time, almost. Nurse Chapel feels guilty because she's fine and, and Spock is now human and has to deal with all this shit. So we get little moments of her in the lab trying to figure out how to fix his genome sequence or how to create something that she can inject him with that's going to fix this problem that she now feels responsible with. Um, she asks Uhura and Ortegas to basically recreate the flight pattern that her and Spock went on so she can try to get into that wormhole thing again and speak to blue and yellow. And while we're there, we finally have her admitting face-to-face how she feels about Spock and what her relationship is. So what did you think about meeting the aliens in the time vortex? Well, one of one thing is I I liked it because I think this is where they used a little bit of the volume and I thought it was such a cool way to like utilize the volume um, in terms of like the LED screens and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, because I don't think they shot this on green screen. It felt like it was, you know, they were actually there, right? So if you're going to put people in like an abstract place, you know, that's a great way to get them, the actors to like engage with something and also to like, visualize it in a different way so i i thought that was like really cool but then like i didn't i don't think i like the scene that much because like the more i think about it i i keep getting disappointed by this idea that she kept bringing up like every time she wanted to argue with them i was like just like because the, the these beings said you know we fixed it the person you know, there's nothing, there's no complaint been lodged and, uh, there's no, no remediation necessary, whatever, like good, goodbye. And they never come out and say, it's like, you didn't fix, like, that's not true. This is the complaint, you know? Um, she keeps saying that she needs to save him, you know? And I'm like, what do you, I, and I found that like really interesting, like how this, 
they this could have been like a very interesting discussion with this race who believes that this thing needs to be fixed, right? Because as a mixed race person, as a per I identify it with Spock so much because of those like two halves things, right? And I love how in this episode he's dealing with um he's kind of discovering his human side, which he had been like suppressed so long. It's not that like he hasn't he he hasn't recognized or whatever uh, the human side in him and he hasn't dealt with it in the past. Clearly he has, but he's finally discovering what that would mean to actually be that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of when I was like, I grew up half Filipino, half white. And I grew up basically believing I was white and like just kind of, growing up with that like mentality or just never seeing myself as like a mixed race or whatever. I didn't grow up around my Fil Filipino side, so I didn't understand the culture. And it was like, if you could, it's only my adult life where I just started to learn or think about the other half of me and what that is, you know? And he's like doing that in his, in his adult life as well. You know, he's like discovering it and learning so much about it. And I love that. And I love um, that he he can represent like a mixed race in that way and not something that needs to be fixed, especially in this time and age where, you know, we, we talk about like immigrants and people like want to like, these, I don't know, pure blood kind of things, you know, and like the weird fascism that we see like rising up in a country, you know, against uh, other races. It's not just other races, but like the mixing of races has always been a, a problem, you know, for certain subsets of people and to come face to face with an entire group or alien race who believes that you're wrong because you're mixed. And for the fact that this, unfortunately like white woman doesn't like come out like and fight for that, you know, that like it, in a way that she does, but she doesn't say it in the way that I felt like we were like mixed race were represented, you know, she just said, it's like, it's just not Spock. That's not who he is, you know, but like, it wasn't, you know, like I get that, like, yeah, she wants both sides of him because it isn't Spock, you know, but it also is the fact that like, you're wrong. Like you, you, like you, your race are believing that these things can't mix, but like that, we, this is actually true. Like this, like mul these races can mix. We have multiple races that mix like all the time and they are just as valid in their instructions as like anyone else. They are still, you know, um, like a hundred percent like human or so to speak, you know? And it was just like, no, I just want to save him. You know, I just want him to be like, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't a real kind of, uh, uh, stance there, a real conversation about what it could have been about like this mixed racing. They didn't really care, you know, about <laughs> like having that discussion. And then, and then, um, also they, they run into this like godlike race. And if a godlike race is believing that kind of thing, like I would, I'm so glad they don't care about being a part of the world, you know, because if they, if they did, if they wanted to be a part of this universe and that's the way that they believed, can you imagine like the, how to how, go into war with that, you know? <laughs> like, I just, I feel like that's so weird that no one would kind of like really say it, 
you know, it, I mm-hmm. don't know. It was just weird how they kind of approached it. You know, they were just con- confounded and never, I don't know. That's just how I yeah, felt. Yeah, it seemed like the, you just, you touched on the concept of like, it's the, these these two things can both be true uh, and be valid, which we almost dive into more with Tapril than with the alien species. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, for the alien species, I think it might just be like lack of exposure and knowledge, not malice, not intent even, just like here's the information we had and it didn't make sense, so we did the best that we could. Um, so the conversation there is more to motivate or I guess more to hear what Chapel's point of view is. And then we reiterate that point of Spock is, is both of these things and they are both valid because then we watch him kind of come to that conclusion too, as he it's fights for his like, human I side. just think it's like a missed opportunity, like by the writers. Cause like, if you're going to <laughs> like, put specifically dialogue in there where it's like, well, we fixed this person, you know, now they are not two halves. They are just one whole. I'm like, that is to me just, you, you, you say the words. This is the thing that this sounds like dialogue that someone says, like, you need to like, go back to where you came from, that kind of stuff. You know, you need to be like, because they don't believe in uh, the intermingling, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that kind of like rhetoric just feels wrong on its surface. It's like you, you're thinking wrongly, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I understand like, yeah, they don't have the exposure to, to this kind of thing. They probably don't mix themselves, you know, like I, uh, it's, they're a different kind of race, you know, mm-hmm. and again, godlike, whatever they, um, so I, I can understand like the logic behind it, but it does feel like a missed opportunity to have that kind of dialogue and not like go all in about, you know, what that means because there are probably people out there that want to like fix the races, you know? Yeah. Is, is that not true? Yeah. Like, I feel like that and feels like something that someone would 100%. say. And <laughs> like, I, I think that like to Pril, to Pring's mom is that she is super not into the fact that Sarek has a human wife and that they bred and had a half human, yeah. mm-hmm. like you're a hundred percent correct. There are. So I just think the conversation that you want to have is more, gonna happen there and so i don't think they wanted to make the alien species like you're right they didn't want to tackle it there because that was not you know the intent i even think maybe different wording too but i even think when the aliens say that we fixed him i don't think they're referring to the fact that he was two halves i think it was like he was dead and like super fucked up and we fixed it just like we fixed your ship just like we fixed you everyone's fixed goodbye no further contact necessary um but then how do we have that conversation with Tapril, who is constantly, constantly being unnecessarily, in my opinion, cruel and condescending to Amanda and Spock? Do you see that energy there as well in her like general disdain for humans? Um. I don't know that I I did because like we always see Vulcans as like like we know that Vulcans hate like humans or whatever or like they I I don't think they even feel like they hate humans I don't even know why they like we always feel like there's a problem you know with that mm-hmm. mixed race and why they don't like Spock being like who he is because there doesn't like 
seem to be like that much of an issue. They just don't understand humans or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I guess I'm more of like saw it as like not really a problem with um, like that Spock was half human, but I guess more of just the fact that she didn't want to bring to marry a half human, you mm-hmm. know, and which is still like in itself, like a, like, yeah, a problematic thing, but I don't know that that they had the, I don't know that they addressed it in the way that I would have liked them have to addressed it there either. And I don't know if you felt like they did. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, um, just spending, spending time with Amanda briefly, you get the sense that like, she's had to make herself smaller so as to not draw too much attention to herself. Mm-hmm. And the way that, you know, we see that T'Pril is, is already this kind of like overarching, condescending energy. We see it with her husband. We see it with her daughter. Of course, we're going to see it with people that she likes even less than them, like Spock and Spock's mom. Um, but they're just, again, like the, the viciousness of the memory that, Spock's mom shares with him during the mind meld is the first time that Vulcan kids ask Spock to play with him. And now that Spock is an adult and he can see the full memory and he realizes that like the Vulcan mothers were again, unnecessarily cruel to his human mom Mm -hmm. for no other reason than she's a human. Mm -hmm. So like there is, is racism the right, like there is a a prejudice there Mm -hmm. against her species for whatever reason. And then that lingers and carries over into this like mixed kid who doesn't fit in with human kids because the human kids make fun of his pointy ears and he doesn't fit in with his Vulcan kids because they make fun of him for having too much emotion and for smelling kind of weird. Like, I feel like that's like, that's a story so many people can relate to. I am totally white. So I didn't have that experience growing up, but like, how awful to be for no other reason than like my mom is a human that your, your entire childhood is like twice as hard as it needed to be for no good reason. Um, and I like that to Pring, his partner is not bothered by that. And the little ways that to Pring and her Vulcan way, like push back against her mom when her mom is saying unnecessarily cool things uh, where she can kind of come in with the logic and be like, that's not like that input's not needed here. That input isn't logical. That input isn't valid. Um, just kind of pushing out these outdated ideas of, I guess, like mix, like mixing while you breed. I don't even, I don't know. And I don't think the dad really cares either. The dad just kind of seems happy to be there, ready to fucking eat some food and say that hi was to his always, daughter. That was like my favorite, like, part of like the episode was seeing the, this like married couple kind of, and like how like he did want the food and he did want to like, uh, uh, he was enjoying like the company and the, and like being out on the ship or whatever and stuff like that. And then like how just like overly critical. So it didn't feel, that's why it feels like it didn't feel that much different for her to do that a, a, about a race because she was just kind of like that with everyone. That's you just know? her energy. So yeah. I just like, I don't know, but it's also interesting how, um, 
like he he wants to have fun and she won't like allow him to like have fun or even like kind of speak or have like an opinion on things like he he wanted to have like a game night kind of situation you know we'd love like he's like i want to play charades that would be like a lot of fun you know Mm -hmm. and um and to see like vulcans like actually like let loose and have fun would have been like really cool to see um and i love that dynamic but also like that's it. It's interesting to me because it raises questions about like, why do Vulcan suppress? Like, it, like he doesn't seem like it feels a little off for a Vulcan for him to be that way, because I guess like it's not very Vulcan of him, you know, to mm-hmm. like w- want to enjoy these things or whatever, even though like he's being held back by someone else. Like if he wasn't if she wasn't there, like where is he like actually suppressing these things, you know, so yeah. it's like he. Um, he felt open to things. And I'm I'm just curious about that in terms of how that fits into Vulcan, like, I guess, the world or the sociology or whatever, you know? And, yeah. Because um, uh, we don't normally get that. And and um, it was it's kind of a cool balance, but also felt like that. I, I feel like you're you're showing too much for a Vulcan. For a Vulcan. <laughs> and it's, so. I think that to Prill seems incredibly like uh traditional like straight lace sure. she she really leans into that and in a lot of ways to pring takes after her mother and her like demeanor and the way she cares herself and the way that she dresses and now i'm wondering if her father is uh you know it's a dynamic that we see often in media yeah. like the controlling mom with the more goofy dad i wonder yeah. if that's like that version of being goofy and that's where more of her acceptance of a half human half Vulcan partner would come from. Yeah, for sure. But, and then also like we see, we get this like idea of like a little bit of sass coming from to Pring, you know, <laughs> when she's like saying things and, and answering questions or whatever. And I'm just like, this is, this is super interesting and super fun, but also like it's, they are showing emotion. Like, it's weird to me that like, that we talk so much about Vulcan suppressing things. It's like, this is emotion. Like you're just doing it in a passive aggressive way. And I'm like, is that not like emotion? Like, that's not like, why do they keep saying Vulcans don't show emotion? And I was like, they do, they clearly do. They just do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like they're suppressing it at all. It almost feels like it's, it's worse that they're just like doing it in a passive aggressive way. You know, it's I'm um, like, what is Vulcan is, this? <laughs> I was like, I love the idea of like that. They suppress the emotions because logic wins out and um, they evolve more and they are smarter as a species because of it. But if you're doing that and you are technically still a hundred percent showing emotion, you're just not hiding. Isn't that like more dangerous? Like, shouldn't you be going to like therapy because you're like holding it back more so? Like, it feels that feels illogical, and that's why I just I seems weird to me that I was like I feel like it's not when Spock is full Vulcan, like he when we see that from him, we assume it's like the human side of him, mm-hmm. you know this doesn't feel that different when they're showing it, you know? And so I'm like, what is actually like the Vulcan way? Like where, why are we not seeing like an actual Vulcan who's not showing emotions, you know? Right. Um, Cause even the mother is showing her own kind of emotion by yes. not showing it. So I'm just, it's, it's weird. I don't know. I, what, maybe that's more Lorloff stuff, but like, no, did, what, like, this is the first time we're seeing like more Vulcans like within this series and besides the like law scene. And that's a very different kind of like yeah. context, you know? So even with, even with like the condescending and the criticism, like 
that's a that stems from an emotion. Yeah. Like you're being emotional by being critical. It's arguably. hard to it's hard to like write, I guess, logical unemotional beings because we are humans writing yeah, these things right. too. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think too to the actress, like the disdain, right? Maybe it's in the line delivery of sometimes you can you can deliver something from a cold logical point of view, but she was not doing that the actress was like inflecting disdain in her voice yeah so either that's a choice or like yeah we're humans and if they did a read where they were just like full-scale vulcan no emotion that it like didn't land is maybe a possibility but when we see uh spock come back in an earlier episode and be like i'm so sorry you had to see that outburst and it's just too it's hilarious. It's just yeah, too yeah. Vulcans they were just staring being at like each other. interesting. Mm-hmm. That little bit of of snark, I would say, made him want to come back and apologize to his friends for seeing that. Then all of this must be like a critical like blowout meltdown. Mm-hmm. If that tiny interaction was enough for Spock to come back and be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." This yeah. has to be an off this off the charts like full scale family drama, family dinner. Like fishes, yeah, in the bear. If at the end of the day, if the, I don't know if this is like inconsistency or if this is just us learning more about like how Vulcans show their emotions, you know, because mm-hmm. like in that sense, like it could be like this is just how it is because like suppression isn't necessarily like stopping it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just they don't um, uh, let it control like everything, you know, yeah. they're able to logic, they, they still can show the emotion, they just have, they, you know, they don't hold on to it, you know, in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, uh, so yeah, interesting. I, I kind of do wish that at the end of the day they had, it's weird. Cause I, I, I like this idea. Like it's a, it's a great setup to have like, not only is a human, but he has to pretend to be Vulcan. It is two things. One, I wish they had pushed like the human side, like more that he wasn't pretending to be Vulcan, that it was just like, no, like human Spock having to do like things and like mm-hmm. have them like everyone else like dealing with that you know um because I I also felt like is there not anyone here that's like he is more fun as a human you know like yeah. well, do we really want him to like, you know go back to being whatever um but uh um and again what conversation that could be you know and but then also um again I keep coming back to like he doesn't forget how to be a Vulcan, you know? So it feels like some of the, these things would be muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Some of the way that you would talk, the way that you would confront things or whatever um, uh, should be muscle memory, you mm-hmm. know? It shouldn't be that hard to remember how you were speaking before, right. you know? Um, there are some parts where it works where he's like, nope, it's just, I can't hold back the muscles in my face, you know? And, yeah. and that's like, okay, yeah, like that, like kind of makes sense because again we we have a pinch we mm-hmm. say ouch whereas Vulcans they just don't you right. know right um, but in the other ways it feels like it's it's um, I I kind of don't know like if we're just having him pretend to be Vulcan one it, it's weird to me because like he he should have this muscle memory and two it's like we're just not we're not getting away from Spock then you know <laughs> so um, uh, and I wish they had we could have pushed it more into like the, the human side of it, you know, Mm -hmm. to really, really see like the difference, you know, in like what a, like, even though we do see humans all the time, Mm -hmm. um, what that suppression 
it does to like a, a Vulcan, you know, like how yeah. like they do feel um, their emotions and, and, and what that like really means, you know, because if he's just, again, trying to express his emotions as a human, like he's just, you're just more or less being Vulcan, you know, and mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, could we have seen more and more of, of just like him having to do like a normal adventure just with like mm-hmm. having to react as a human as, to, as opposed to a Vulcan, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and how the emotions when they went out, like the logical side goes, goes out the window. Like imagine them being in a scenario where they need that logical side. And he's like, I don't know. I'm freaking out here. Yeah. Like, it's like, like kind don't of an, ask. kind of interesting stuff, you know, but we don't allow him to do that. I, right. It's, it's weird. I, I loved it and I didn't, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah, could have pushed it more. Could have pushed, but also a lot of fun. Um, what did you think was the, was the ear reveal earned when he takes the ears off no, to the mom? I don't, the, I, so first off, it's, no. that's so, they, <laughs> speaking of like, not, I get that they're Vulcans and they have no emotions and no reaction to things, but they're not weirded out that like, he's technically human. Like that, that like, even to, to Pring doesn't freak the, the She's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you like, I feel like even that would push someone to be like, what are you? Right. Like, you've been lying to us the whole time. You're here. like, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh yeah, you got changed by a race. Like logically, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I would even logically, I'd be like, did you just bamboozle us for 30 years? Like Amanda, did you know about this? <laughs> Like, have did you just put ears on him as a child? Like, over, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, what is going on through even a Vulcan's head? But their reaction was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you just bamboozle us? No? That's, you know that's what I'm saying? You yes. Do-ding? No, so for... M- do you think? So for me... I was expecting a bigger reaction because we were just talking about the fact that emotion has been uh, at least an undercurrent for these Vulcans. And I thought this was going to be the boiling point of like, oh, wow, you this man literally just ripped his ears off. And now nothing like nothing logically makes sense because I just saw this grown man take his ears off. And um, yeah, I'm wondering, you yeah, know, I expected when- like the father to like throw up all the snacks. I expected expected a reaction from the dad. Yeah. And I expected cruelty from the mom. I expected her to like dig into that. And like the fact that he was human immediately. And the fact that all three of them are just like, yeah, okay. Weird, but okay. I was like, Oh, Ask no questions whatsoever. Yeah, no <laughs> like, follow up. They didn't have him sit down and like tell him the he whole just said, story. This, this whole thing was done by a human. Like, take off the mask, whatever. Like, you should be. Or I'd be like, prove it. <laughs> like, wh- what do you mean, prove it? That that Jennifer Lawrence mean. What do you What do you mean? What do you mean? That's yeah. That's what I would have done if Spock would have ripped his ears off in front of me. But yeah, no, they all just took it in stride. I guess that's that Vulcan training kicking in where. When your emotion really wants to overwhelm you, you're able to just squash that shit down and say, hey, man, you do you. I feel like not like it, <laughs> that if if like seriously, like they have no context whatsoever of like what he's even talking about no. or what he's going through. So like, yeah, Shannon, if you just like started rubbing like your face off 
you know, and you're yeah. like, I'm black underneath me. I'm sorry. That's a, probably a bad example, <laughs> but like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, yeah. like, even if I'm the most, like, I don't do for like, you can't, I'm terrible at like birthday celebrations. Cause like you give me a present, I open it, you know, and I'm like, oh, great. You know, like, this is really cool. I'm not for real. I'm not good. You know, even me, I I feel like I would have some questions. <laughs> I would need answers. How long has this been going on? You know, yeah. um, I just feel like, yeah, that's uh that's that. It feels very underwhelming the way that they did that, you know, and I get the reason why, you know, he had to like prove that. And it, I almost kind of wish that they hadn't, given him the cure before that like he hadn't become like spock you know yeah. and, and that he would have to like emotionally like let loose on them would have made more sense for to to be like hey we can't do this anymore we need to be a break you know and there's a there's just a lot more things i felt like could have worked a lot better you know and even for um like after that moment imagine like that's when uh, chapel comes back and like he's he's they've now um to bring him are on a break and he's mad and he's he pushed everyone away because mm-hmm. of his emotions you know and mm-hmm. he's screwed up everything and then she's there like okay well i'm gonna make you vulcan again and then they have their conversation and then mm-hmm. the, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like that i felt like maybe could have worked better you know um I know it's not the way they did it, so I can always say, like, yeah. woulda, coulda. It's one of those things for me that was, like, it was one of those things for me that was, like, because Star Trek. Like, yes, of course that's going to be the thing that happens, because Star Trek. And then when I look more critically at it, it's just, like, I, for me, that moment, even though I love Spock and I can, like, empathize with the journey... And with the meaning behind why he's standing up for his human side and his human mother finally um, did not feel like the grand reveal or like the grand urn that I think it maybe could have been or that I wanted it to be. Uh, Still kind of funny, though. Just pop those ears off and was like, here we go. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's the ceremony. He made it through. He got to the mind meld. Uh, he and he and Pring. Go on their sabbatical? Yes. Which, uh, I'm curious what you think that means, like when they say they're going to take a break. Well, I'll have more to say in the lore loft, but what I think that means is um, we see, I touched on this at the very beginning, we can tell that she is hurt by the fact that Spock doesn't trust her. Sure. And... Even if you are a Vulcan to know that you're, you know, betrothed to this person that can involve everyone else on the crew, but didn't think to loop me in on this when it's my family. And like, I could have helped you. We're supposed to be on the same team. And I really like that she takes that hit and she sits with it. And she's like, if you, if that baseline of trust isn't there, then what we are doing is not worth my time. And it is not logical because the type of relationship she wants to have doesn't exist. And I think there's a disappointment there too, because she is someone that supports him, supports the fact that he's always fucking gone with Starfleet. You know, she is constantly battling with her mother, sticking up for Spock of like why he's 
why he went to the academy instead, why he joined Starfleet, why he's gone for months at a time and why she's okay with that and that he's human and she's okay with that. Like, I feel like she probably constantly goes to bat for him and then to have him show up and kind of like fuck all this up and not take her into consideration. She's just like, logically, this does not, this union does not make sense to me. And I think that Spock has love for her and connection for her because they've known each other since they were very small, but ultimately doesn't have the passion for to pring that he has for nurse chapel. And I think being human too, like he got to really see that for what it was. And once you pull the curtains back, you can't, you know, even though you're a Vulcan, you still know it's there. It still happened. He didn't lose his memory. He just like got his Vulcan half back. So I think there's a lot of things working against them that just, you know, it's easier to just take the break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, what is a, a break, you know, and in this sense? Well, a, a break has to be, they don't see each other that often anyway. They don't talk to each other that often anyway. So what is a break? It's basically just, Number one, whatever is a break. Let's let's talk about that. I do not believe in breaks because you're either together or you're broken up. For me, this in my brain should have been broken up. Like we're done. Well, I mean, Spock sure took it that way because he didn't give a shit. <laughs> he said, bet. <laughs> I'm going to go kiss this girl. Uh, yeah, he wasted no time. Well, I think, okay, so again, in the same interview with Ethan Peck, like he's like, well, I don't even know what like a break means just in the sense of like in Vulcan lifespan, that could mean like months or years for like that for a break, which would normally be like maybe a couple of weeks if we're going to take a break, you know, like mm-hmm. so maybe like a month a day. Like, no, this would be like, this could be like a year's break, you know, cause, mm-hmm. because Vulcans live so long. You know, so it's just different, like how they would probably view it or um, and like what that means, like in terms of just Vulcans, you know. Um, And again, I never thought that being part of Starfleet was a huge problem for them because they have like such long lifespans. Like they're going to like what is like a year long academy or whatever it is to people who live like 800 years or whatever it, mm-hmm. it might be, you know, um, so like if they're in it for the long haul, you know, they can they can spend a lot more time together than apart. So I felt like it. That's like a two week thing, you know, like isn't that like him doing the like academy or whatever? That's like that's like two weeks in Vulcan, like, right? Whatever. Like, what does that matter? In dog like, years. They're, like they're, they're, is she really suffering that much? So I guess I never really thought that that even mattered that much, you know. So like what like. So when she says like a break, like it has to me to mean like a breakup, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not about the time apart. Like it's, it's something else altogether. Like they, they need to reevaluate what they want, like altogether. Um, and I don't think it's really, I don't think Starfleet's really the problem or like him being away. It's just the fact that like he hasn't been himself since he's been gone, you know? Right. And I think that always like leads to like a breakup. And uh, personally, you know, and I don't know, I don't know, I mean, what that means in terms of like the timeline or the history, because I don't know if you just knew that like that, well, they'll get back together, but I don't know. Yeah. So I, hey, we can go right into the Lorlock whenever you're ready. Okay. So, 
Um, and let me just flip my notebook back here. It's on the subject, Shannon. It's on the subject. So uh, when her mom says that there are many Vulcan men who would stand beside her, mm-hmm. this is foreshadowing that she takes another lover, uh-huh. Ston, who we've seen already in Strange New Worlds. He was the guy helping her in an earlier episode when she was helping like rehabilitate Vulcans. Mm-hmm. He was the guy. That she was working with. Of course, it's always the it's person always who, the guy she's working with. So um, don't ever believe women are like, no, it's just a person, a friend I work with. Don't <laughs> it's just ever. my friend. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. But in a muck time, which is where uh, Spock experiences Ponfar, which is like extreme horniness. Basically, mm-hmm. if he does not go back to Vulcan to connect with his mate to Pring, he will literally die. And I'm not saying that like, oh, my God, he's like literally going to die. Like he's going to die if he doesn't go back and complete this ritual. But when he goes back to Vulcan and sees to Pring, she's like, I don't think I want to marry Spock. I think I want to get with this guy. Who is it? And strong, her worker. And she... Spock doesn't like this. Obviously, he's going through Ponfar. So she's like, I have the right to invoke that you have to fight for my hand. And she picks Kirk to fight for her. And her logic, she tells Spock later, is that she wins anyway. Because if he kills Kirk, he's not going to want her. And if Kirk kills Spock, he's a human. He's in Starfleet. He's not hanging around anyway. So that was her whole like thing. And the guy was in on it too. So I think their break led to her just spending more time with the guy she wanted to actually be with. And then, you know, maybe they kept up the ruse for a little bit. But she but. still becomes like a toxic ex through it all. <laughs> and I would argue becomes more like her mother. Oh, gosh. Unfortunately. But I'm going to do a gentle segue because. Well, they can change that. They can retcon some things, I'm sure. I. Yeah. Because I think T'Pring is in the right here. Yeah. You know, like she, like, let's be reasonable. She's done nothing wrong. No. And Spock is kissing nurses and, and uh, having feelings for other people uh-huh. and not being honest about it, you uh-huh. know. And Chapel's not helping. <laughs> no. Uh, no. So, no. Um, uh, real adults there, I'd have to say. Um, so I, I feel like T'Pring is in, in the right. And she should have dumped his ass a long time ago. That's all I'm going to say. She should have dumped his ass. So that's what I'm, that's, that's my thought. I'm surprised you didn't get there, but whatever. Well, um, I like that uh, when Spock talks to her, her new partner, her, her lover, whatever, he says, having is not so pleasing as wanting. It's not logical, but often true. He says it is not logical because Vulcans don't use contractions. Um, but I I like that he almost gives her new partner a warning. That's like, yeah, you think you think everything's gonna be good, but you just you strap in because wanting is not as great as actually having okay, but the that thing. doesn't happen for what? Like ten years? Like we're not talking about the future. Talk about how you f- okay, talk about like whether or not the ears were earned, Shannon. Yeah. Was the uh kissing and finally falling off screen into some unknown lateral position, probably uh, uh, lateral, 
horizontal, horizontal. position. <laughs> well, they moved um, laterally to fall into right. a horizontal position. Uh, whatever. You it, killed it. It may be. Um, was that earned, Shannon? More than the ears. More than the ears for me, for sure. <laughs> okay. Just, but, you know. But was it earned, Shannon? Um, I think it's. Answer. I. Stop avoiding it. I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because we all know what that really means, Shannon. We know Nurse Chapel has feelings for Spock. We know it. And and how long are you gonna let that tension build before you give into it? Even in the original series, years and years later, she still has an unrequited love for Spock. So to me, for her character, this makes a lot of sense. For Spock's character, it was a little confusing to me that it happened after he became his half Vulcan self again because it makes it a choice. And I know that he and to bring just went on a break, but like he's very intentional. I think he even says the words like, I want to feel this. Like he makes the choice to kiss the girl. Um, which I'm not against. I'm just wondering where those ramifications lead because obviously neither of them are thinking about consequences or just thinking about like the moment and the connectivity, but knowing where we have to get to, I'm like, what, ha what happens to these two? Like, where do, where do they both go from here now that you've done the forbidden thing? Like what's next week's episode then? Yeah. I think that was something I was definitely brought up before. It was like, once you, especially in these kind of sitcom -y things or like these kinds of shows, especially the way, the tone that this episode had, as soon as you, if you're going to do that, will they, won't they in a sitcom, like as soon as you, what is it, requite that love, you know, like right. then you, um, you are setting up either different conflicts, you know, like what do you do afterwards or whatever, because then you don't, you no longer have that. Well, they won't they. So mm -hmm. now you have to figure out something else because, you know, show's got to have conflict, right? Show's got to have something going on on there. And yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know that I feel like it was ever earned in the same way we we talked about um um Ortega's uh and the flying thing. It's like you mm -hmm. keep telling us and telling us that she's a good pilot, you know, but like what like can we like see it you know can you really show yeah. us like why you know and again they keep telling us and telling us that these people are like falling in love and like we get it you know but like as much as i love these characters and i do feel like part of it is that like the actors are doing such a good job mm -hmm. of like having that chemistry and doing that kind of thing i'm still not seeing it like i'm still not being shown this i'm just being told at the mm. same time, you know, mm -hmm. it's still not feeling v that real. I didn't feel like it was earned and like ready for that, even though it's like we might want it, you know, like, right. of course, we'd like want that to happen. Like yeah. that was a, like the whole point. But I'm like, like now, like, like give us uh, uh, I she didn't even do a very good job of explaining like what she liked about Spock to that being. You know what I'm saying? She just like was like. Well, I like him. That's what they wanted. They were like, just tell them you like Spock. I was like, oh, wait, do, so we're just going to go there? Like, you like, like Spock? Oh, you instead like, of, you like, like Spock? Spock? Like, yeah. that's what it is? It's like, this is just some sort of, like, crush? It's like, no, what is it? You mm -hmm. know, what is it about Spock that Nurse Chapel, like, needs? Because I feel like Nurse Chapel is the kind of character that, you know, you would feel like Spock would have, the like, the feelings, and then Nurse Chapel would, like, 
be the hard one to to kind of get, you know, like she could have like a bunch of people falling for her. So it's it it doesn't it doesn't seem like a whole lot of people are like falling like for Spock here, you know, and she's the one that's like trying to get in on there. And, you know, so there's like a whole lot of things where I'm like, what is what is the actual thing that she like sees in Spock that she doesn't see in like anyone else, mm-hmm. you know? And I know it's because it's like it's Spock and Chapel and like we have like a hot cast here and we might as well, you know what I'm saying? But like like what it like there's no it it doesn't it doesn't feel like why I I guess I don't I never got what the thing was that brought them mm-hmm. into each other's orbit. Right. You know, uh, um, as opposed to like anyone else, you know, and the, and the thing that even he was really saying, it's like, yeah, we get it. Like they, there's something there, but when all, when the rest of the episodes have all been about, like, you're not acknowledging it. You're like, you can't, uh, uh, talk about it or all those kind of things. You don't even, they've been avoiding each other for like so long. Like what is, you don't even have we got like a little bit of interaction with them this episode. And even in that time, we didn't get to see like what it was that mm-hmm. they really enjoyed about each other. It was like, even there, I felt like you could have shown a little bit more. Do you not think, do you not <clears throat> I'm feel that way? Of, or did you feel like that they did show enough of it? <laughs> I'm more thinking of like, what does it actually mean to like connect with someone or to fall in love with someone? And I don't think It is a, I think it is a, a feeling. Um, if, if you were to ask someone that's been married for 20 years, like, why did you fall in love with your partner? You could think of arbitrary things like, oh, they make me laugh or, you know, they, they support me through like my endeavors. But ultimately, like, isn't it a feeling? Because even when your partner doesn't show up for you, or is triggered and reacts in a way that you don't like, like that feeling is still there. So you don't just like this person because of the things that they do or the way that they act. There's just like, there's something deeper. And I would argue almost like more vague there. So to look at nurse chapel and ask her why she likes Spock, I'm sure there are parts of her that could say logical reasons of why she likes him of like, because it's easy to hang out with him because we connect on uh, like an intellectual level because he's funny, even though he doesn't try to be, but those are all such arbitrary things and don't actually determine love. So would you, I'm not, yeah, but we didn't even see any of those things. Right. Do we see like her, like always like laughing at his jokes when no one else is laughing. Right. You know, and do we see, them have a like tit for tat, like intellectually where she's like, Oh, I've never ran into someone who could like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, or anything like that catches her off guard, you know, and that Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, we don't see like any of those things that you explained Mm -hmm. that like, yeah, it's not like, yeah, it's arbitrary. Like, yeah, people just, when you know, you know, kind of situation, but even then, like there's something that you've, you recognize that these people are you're different around them. You feel at home with them. You feel like whatever that feeling is, we see it represented in like how they interact with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and 
and what they're doing. We and in the sense we haven't seen them really be able to interact with each other at all because they've been I don't know fighting or not or whatever <laughs> like yeah um, like and there's avoiding sh- each other yeah there's and a it- shyness it's like it's almost a because I think it's like a forbidden crush too it's like when you when you connect with someone and you feel that you know you you know and because Spock is number one half Falcon and also like engaged like in a relationship. I think even though they feel that energy and maybe if they were to spend more time together or if they were to hang out or if they were to have those moments, those moments would come out organically. Yeah. And I think that scares both of them. So that's why we haven't. That's fine if we had seen it. Like you're gotten. telling me something that I don't think is happening. You're, you're like inferring these things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but we haven't seen that. You know, that would have been great had they shown us that, like how scared they are, like of how comfortable they are with each other. Isn't that much better, you know, than mm-hmm. like just like saying like, yeah, this happened off screen, I guess, for mm-hmm. you. Like that doesn't that doesn't that to me is like just the unearned part of it. It's like, yeah, like I get it, like how people fall in love. That's what you're explaining. <laughs> you're explaining how people do fall in love and how they have Take relationships notes. and how like like what happens with people and like what could happen here. But that's not explaining to me like what actually happened with them, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. what it was like to to f- have those feelings, what it was like to like have to t- tiptoe around that or whatever, because we didn't really see a whole lot of that, which is mm-hmm. in in my remembrance yeah. of the show and the seasons, you know, and they always come out and just tell us these things, you know, right. that, um, that they like each other or whatever, like, and all the other characters can see it. I'm like, where are you seeing? Where are you seeing this yeah. happen? Right. You know, cause I didn't see it like all season. Like right. you, the only time we saw that they had any sort of connections was always in the previously on things, you mm-hmm. know, that they, that we were being told that they like, kissed before or whatever, you know, but in terms right. of like this season, right. I'm trying to think of like any moments where like, we're seeing what the rest of the crew is seeing, like why these two are being uh, like yeah. saying, like, just tell this entity, like what you see in Spock, like why you want this or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like, and first off again, why is it up to her to like say anything? Like anyone could like say is like, you did not fix because there was nothing to right. be fixed. It doesn't matter. Like I, you know, and why make it about like what her feelings for it? Like for me, it's like just such a weird thing to do when any of them could have just been like, just save the thing. You did it wrong. <laughs> do it again the right way. That wasn't, you weren't, you weren't supposed to, you, you, it wasn't, Right. We didn't know how to lodge a complaint, you know, like, right. like do the when they were like, it's outside the complaint window. Everyone was like, what the fuck? You never and get- was like, I called. <laughs> She's like, I called you. Yeah, we didn't like they didn't. I feel like they didn't fight for that. They could have cared much harder is what I'm saying. But the point being is like, I just if these characters are saying like we see what what you see in Spock and what why you want this and whatever like mm-hmm. why do we not see that yeah just because they told us it because we only get ten episodes I mean if you're saying you saw it then I guess you saw it but like again I don't think you're saying anything that you saw I think you're just inferring something yeah I'm probably just inferring because I'm gonna be super honest I don't remember every episode beat for beat from season one either but I'm assuming I'm pulling information from season one as well because that had to be when we set up the, the initial attraction. Right? Because it wasn't this season. So that's my educated guess is I'm pulling from vague memories from season one. Um, 
Well, yeah, that's I think that's the end of our episode. She gets rejected from Vulcan Space Camp and then she goes and. You know. Bangs Spock, so. Can't get in with one group, you can get in with the other group. Yeah, it was weird how you connect those two. So she did that out of frustration. So Spock's just a just a quick uh He's get, a rebound. get better. <laughs> so yeah, you're not gonna let me into the Vulcan Academy. I'm gonna get into this wow, Vulcan she Academy. Really, she she really up cares door. about <laughs> Vulcan. Um uh well, let's slide up to the Lorloff Shannon okay, come with if me. that's what you wanna do. I do. So at the beginning of the episode, pew pew. Banga quizzes Nurse Chapel on Corby's three principles of archaeological medicine, which is obviously a nod to her, the ex-fiance that we talked about originally, Roger Corby. Obviously. Who she will meet and fall in love with at a later date, but apparently still hold a candle for Spock. Um, oh, a nice quote from her. So there's an episode in the original series called The Naked Time. Uh, the Enterprise crew like gets hit with a virus and it lowers everyone inhibi- everyone's inhibition. So some people are quicker to anger or to crying or to fear. Hers is love. Um, I literally remember watching the episode. She walks in the door in her like tight little like nurse outfit. She stands with her hands on her hips and she just professes her love for Spock. And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> just apologizes to her um and it's like spread through touch so she infects him and it's a whole thing and then he loses his mind but she has a nice quote about um loving him and she says multiple times that i love the human mr spock and the vulcan mr spock because he is both sides to her and she's one of the only people still i would argue probably mbanga as well that see that he's constantly battling his like human side And her quote to him is, um, I love you. I see how honest you are. I see things. I know how you feel. You hide it, but you do have feelings and how we must hurt you. And other people on the ship are like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But for Spock in that moment, he like vacates the area, goes back to his quarters and has before the virus even infects him, like kind of an emotional breakdown because he's thinking about his mother. He's thinking about his human side. And he's thinking about the fact that he's constantly holding people at arm's length in the name of being Vulcan and how that not only hurts the people around him, but it hurts him too. Um, so yeah, more, more moments of like, I don't understand how nurse chapel makes him feel that way or how she feels that way about him because we never get to see them share that sort of quality time on screen. But it apparently is something that's like built into their like history or relationship that either she like understands him or really cares deeply for him, or maybe is so hyper empathetic that it like gets through to him. But I would love to spend more time with them in that emotional state in strange new worlds, because I really like both of the actors and I like the way that Ethan Peck and really thought I was going to pull that girl's name out of there, but I'm not going to the actress that plays nurse chapel. Like I like watching them spend screen time together, even though we don't get it very often. So I would love to see if there's any more depth there. Cause I want it, but in 10 episodes, I feel like I'm not, gonna get it i feel like that's the thing that we keep saying is like it's only 10 episodes so we have cool ideas and cool concepts but it's like i want to dive deeper into a lot of them 
It's like this works, but you know, mm-hmm. um, all right. So I think you only have two more comments and one of them is going to make you laugh. Um, so just a fun fact, Spock is not speaking to his dad and has not spoken to his dad since he decided to not join the Vulcan Academy. So that's why his mom is there, but his dad is not. And we don't even get to actually meet his dad until uh, that episode where he goes back to Vulcan and it's a whole thing. Okay. Um, so that's that. Also, Spock has a habit of hiding his ears under silly hats in the original series. So he wears beanies on multiple occasions. And oh, that's cool. I just, that's just kind of a cute thing. He's always like hiding under a little beanie. Uh, so that's my silly hat tab. Um, shout out to Pike's green tunic while he's cooking. Um, obviously a nod to, to Kirk's, uh, green tunic in the original series, but the green tunic comes out. Everyone saw that Shannon. The green tunic comes out in the humorous episodes. The last time we saw this, I'm not joking. The last time we saw this on Pike was the Spock episode in the first series in the first season. I apologize. When is it Spock amok? Where, you know, shit just gets crazy. So anytime, any, anytime we have a silly season, a little goofy episode, Pike's in his little green wraparound. And Kirk, iconically, is in, is in his green tunic during the Tribbles episode, which is like the silly episode of that season. So green tunic equals silliness and frivolity. So just look out for the green tunic. And last but not least, uh, I revealed to Matthias that I used to write fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tell you that this episode, um, a muck time where Spock thinks he kills Kirk and then decides that he doesn't want a girlfriend anymore. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back onto the ship, Kirk surprises him because he's not actually dead. He had like a neuro paralyzer that made it look like he was dead so they could trick to praying whatever. It's fine. Classic. A classic Star Trek. Spock has what everyone sees as like the biggest emotional outburst he's had probably in a decade, big smile on his face. He jumps off the cot. He goes Jim and goes to hug him before like remembering himself and composing himself. And that is the moment that made me decide I was going to write Kirk and Spock fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, they're in love. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're in love. So that's uh that's what made me start writing fan fiction. The title of the fan fiction was called without a trace and I will not be telling you why, but if you can find it anywhere and read it, no, you can't don't do it. Cause it's probably not good, but I spent like two years writing chapters and publishing them. Like I started doing daily and then with dance classes, I would do it like once a week, but we got on, we got on some fun missions. You're telling me that it's not to bring and it's not chapel. So we're going on these like adventures of love for no reason. Because mm-hmm. Endgame uh, is Kirk. The real, <laughs> the real love of his life is Kirk. And, yes, correct. Uh, um, so why are we stringing me along, Shannon? Why are we trying to because figure this out? Spock is learning. You know, he's learning how to be a better partner. So when he meets the love of his life, he can be a good boyfriend, a good Vulcan boyfriend. Mm hmm. Um, well, okay. Well, that was the lore loft and that was our discussion about charades, uh, Star Trek, strange new worlds. Um, 
interesting discussion. Not a whole lot of thought experiments, but a whole lot of, I guess, just talk about what relationships should be or whatever. I don't know. Um, can you tell that we enjoyed it? Yes or no? <laughs> Give the comments. Email us at codependentcontent at gmail.com. Get on the Discord. Uh, tell us what you thought of this episode. Tell us what you think of this uh, or talk about it, you know? Um, and Shannon is Laura Lofton if you want to read more fanfic because I'm sure no, stop. <laughs> we'll find a way to post that on the Discord if you get enough uh, subscribers and people reaching out being like, I want to read the fan just literally just join, find <laughs> any chat and just be like, I want to read the fanfic and more people we get that, I'm sure we can uh, force, that. <laughs> force her to find that by the end of the seasons. Um, uh, in the meantime, again, you can always uh, reach out to us at codependentcontent.gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts, and you can also comment on YouTube, and you can uh, tag your comments in terms of time code. I know you can do that on mobile. I know most people don't use that, but there's a way that you can do it to, to um, if you feel like engaging with things and then all hopefully starting discussions amongst each other. But at the end of the day, also we run this on discord or we record this live and you can always listen to us live and you can uh, watch us when the camera's working and <laughs> you uh, can also engage with us when we're not talking about content, which might be very soon. <laughs> Don't according to the strike stuff, <laughs> you know um, the discord is where we gather uh, all our other interests as well as, uh, content and stuff and the podcast things and mm -hmm. so if you're if you like engaging with us on the podcast and listening to us here you'll probably enjoy what else we're into mm -hmm. so you know the discord is a great way to build that community and hopefully find like-minded individuals so please join us it's a lot of fun uh, all the links and stuff in descriptions or show notes or wherever you would find those links uh, wherever you're listening to this so yeah that's what it is um Shannon, uh, do you have any 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 uh, ideas about next week's episode? I should know because you already knew about this. There was a Spock episode next uh, last time. I did. I didn't watch the next week preview. So we're going in blind. I'm going in blind. Going in blind. So we don't know. We got uh, five more episodes left. What's going to happen on the the latter half of the series? Now that we got our silly episode out <laughs> of the way. Oh no, we're all serious now. All serious all you the gonna, time. You going to be serious with me next week? I'll be so serious with you next okay, week. Okay, great. We'll see you then. Okay, bye.